0: this week at Common Bond Church, we discuss the love of God the Son. God didn't just stay up on his heavenly throne, but he became personal and relational to you and I, so that we too learn how to be personal and relational with God and with one another. Stay tuned for more. I wanted to share with us um, how these verses of scripture relate to me personally. I remember um, you know, quite, quite several years ago, and as I began to pray to God, I, I began to circulate in my mind all the thoughts of who God was and all the things that I had begun to hear everyone else discuss about God. And then I asked my own self a question. And, you know, I've heard that God was Allah. I've heard that God was Buddha. And then I remember that when I grew up as a child, that I was taught that God came in the form of a son, and his name was Jesus Christ. And so as I began to pray, I began to ask God Himself, who are you really? And uh, what is your name? And how am I supposed to have an understanding to live my life based on that? Well, um, what happened for me may be an experience that you've experienced, or maybe you've heard happen to other people. Well, I believe that I had a personal encounter with God during that time. And um, I can't say that I physically saw God, but I felt God very personally. And as I felt God very personally, I believe that God began to speak to my heart. He began to speak to my mind. And it seemed as if I was hearing an audible voice. And that audible voice began to tell me and express to me that the true God was Jesus Christ. Uh, In a way that God would actually even make it more plain and more clear to me is that I began to see a picture of my whole life, almost as if I was watching a movie or or watching a video. And all the things that I said drove my emotions and helped me to see that the way that I was living life didn't look good on the picture screen. And so um, as I began to engage in this conversation with God, who was revealed to me as Jesus Christ, you know, the questions began to Uh, be implored upon me that if I wanted to continue that life, you could, but there was also another life that was going to be available if you were just willing to accept it. So for me, that was what I would call my first personal encounter with Jesus Christ. It wasn't the first time that I ever heard about God or i would ever been in a church meeting or church session or even heard worship music or even heard that Jesus Christ was real, you know, because Again, I mentioned that I had heard about Jesus Christ when I was a child, but that was my first personal encounter. Now, as I've grown up in life, I realize that I'm not the only one who has ever had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray that you've even had one. Um, I'm also reminded that there's a man in scripture. His name is Paul. You know, Paul himself had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And it was very similar to what I had described, but probably even more dramatic. You know, he was on the road to Damascus. And that's in um, Acts chapter nine is where I'm describing. If you want to actually read this story for your own self and in Acts chapter nine, it begins to describe that, that Paul himself was a man who was very, very educated. He was educated in the scriptures. He was educated in the law, you know, probably one of the most intellectual thinkers of his time. Well, he actually encountered Jesus Christ in a personal way on the road to Damascus. And as he encountered Jesus Christ, you know, God began to speak to him through Jesus Christ in a vision uh, being able to say to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul responded to Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus saying, Lord, who are you? And Jesus Christ did the same thing. He revealed himself to Jesus Christ. He revealed himself as Jesus Christ in a personal way to Paul, telling him that the things that he was doing in life, weren't quite lining up to the plan that God actually had for him. And so Paul had the opportunity to receive direction of what he should do next. And he decided that uh, he was going to obey God. He says, Lord Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And so he had told him, you know, some steps, which was to go see a man who would give him even more direction. But in that time, God had even blinded his eyes so that he would know that he for sure would have experienced a true encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, I wanted to share with you all those personal encounters of Jesus Christ that I have had and that I've also seen in the scriptures. And I also heard many other people express because, you know, one of the things that's most important when we think about John chapter 3, verse 16, is the fact that God is a personal God. He is not just a God that is in a book. That He's not just a God who is intellectual that you can actually think about. But the goal of what God always tries to do is to convey his language to us. And the best way that God can convey his language to us is in a personal way. And most often, you know, that actually comes in the form of love. And so when we think about John chapter 3, verse 16 today, what I want to discuss is the love of God the Son and how that love is so personal to us that it is the... um, the start and it is the foundation of how we begin to live our whole life, because what I what I see in John chapter three, verse 16 is is the gospel. And, and you probably heard the word gospel. And I've heard hope that you understand what the gospel is. The gospel is an understanding that God has used Jesus Christ to come into the world so that he could actually die on our behalf. And as we believe in him, we would also have eternal life. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a way for God to actually express to you and I the things that we most need. And the thing that we most need is an eternal salvation. But it really just doesn't stop there. It is one of the most profound realities of life that will change everyone. Because what God does through the gospel is he begins to try to convey to us the love that he actually has for us. You know, and, I, and I've thought about this um over the last couple of days and this word love that we've been exploring at common bond church. And you, you can ask yourself, why would God actually use love as a way through Jesus Christ to get us to actually believe in him? You know, that's a, that's a question that I have and a question that I would like to discuss with us. And I think one of the ways and reasons that God actually expresses love to us in the form of Jesus Christ is because it is, the universal language of God. Love, to me, is the universal language of God. And and language itself is a a method, you know, to communicate or to express your thoughts or how you feel. And the best way that God can ever express to us what he is trying to say to us is probably through love. You know, we've got many languages of the world, English, um, Mandarin, we've got... Uh, Swahili, we've got Italian, we've got so many other languages. But the one language that is universal that will, will trump all of the spoken languages of the world is love. You know, it's a, it's a language that if, if you see it, it's undeniable, it's unmistakable, it speaks to your heart, it speaks to your passions, it speaks to all the things that are actually necessary in life. You know, even yesterday we had a conversation here in our home, and I asked my wife, you know, what she was doing in the kitchen. And as I asked her what she was doing in the kitchen, she uh, looked up at me and, and she was making some kind of dessert. And we just started this, this discuss that dessert. And I asked her, why don't you just order that? it looks like it's taking you a lot of time to actually put this together. And she said, well, if I did that, you know, what you're saying to go out and just buy something that's prepackaged, you wouldn't actually feel my love. Because the love was actually put into that dessert so that, she could convey what she was actually feeling for me. And, uh, you know, that's that's what love does. Love has this opportunity where it expresses exactly uh, what we are actually saying in ways that words can always express. And I think that that's what Jesus Christ is trying to help us to consistently understand is that when I have come into this world in the form of Jesus Christ. And and when you've seen the fact that I was beaten, or when you've seen that I was stretched out on the cross, it was to show you how much that I loved you. You know, how much God loves you. And today sometimes I think that we actually lose sight of this reality of how much God loves us because God uses this love, not just for the sake of actually giving us salvation for eternal life, But like I mentioned before, it is supposed to be the start and the foundation of our life on earth and for all of eternity. You know, we've talked about one important passage of scripture and it's it's in Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. And you can turn there or you can actually hear me recite that. But Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37 through 40 actually tells us that the great commandment of God is to love God with all our heart all our soul, all our might and our strength and to love our neighbor on ourselves. And he says that all, all the, you know, these two commandments himself hang the entire law and the prophets. You know, what he says is that the whole doctrine of God, the whole theology of God depends on love itself. And, And what God is really saying to us is that, yes, I've saved you because you believed in me as Jesus Christ and we should all start there. You know, that is the foundation of what is so important. But Jesus Christ also says that the reason why I want to do that is so I can communicate love to you in a way that you can begin to communicate love back to me and live it out to others. You know, the greatest thing that God wants us to do is be a people who actually learn how to live out love. And I think that's one of the things that is so missing in this world today And one of the reasons why we are consistently talking about love, because I think that God wants to give us faith, you know, remind us one more time, you know, that I love to focus on Romans chapter 10 verse 17, that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. And so that means that we need to repetitively and insistently and consistently hear what God is actually saying to us so that it begins to transform our, our spirits and our hearts in a way that is useful to us and, And so we are talking about love so that God begins to transform us to not be like what we see on the world. You know, the world is a very, very cold place. And, you know, one of the things that we don't want to ever do is bring that coldness into our homes, bring that coldness into our lives, and, and think that it's something that is natural, you know, because I think that that's what the world tries to get us to do. The world tries to get us to either hate one another to have prejudices upon one another, to think that we are better than than one another, uh, but not to uh, really transform ourselves to the way that God desires us to live, which is truly just to express love. And so when Jesus Christ begins to express love to us, you know, it is beautiful. And I I wanna remind us so much of how beautiful that love is by by sharing with us, you know, several verses and uh, one of the first verses that I wanted to share with us starts actually in Galatians. In Galatians is is written by this apostle Paul once again. And and as we think about the apostle Paul, I mentioned that he was a man who was very very learned. He was a man who was a scholar of scholars. He was one of the greatest intellects, you know, of his time and during his age. But yet yet he was a broken man once he came into personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you know so much so that he realized that all of his intellect and all of his knowledge and all of his um, wisdom that he had gained outside of Jesus Christ really meant nothing once he got into relationship with Jesus Christ And he ends up writing the majority of the New Testament and, and one of those books is Galatians and in Galatians is an interesting book because it's really a book that is about the foundation of an individual people and a collective people who Paul was trying to have them learn to live out life based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he says something very, very interesting and unique right at the beginning of Galatians chapter one. And uh, I think it's maybe verses six through eight that I'm trying to think of. And so if you have your Bibles and you wanted to turn to Galatians chapter one, verses six through eight, I wanted to to share with us something that Paul was saying to the church of Galatians. He says to them in verse six to eight, by starting and says, I am astonished that you are quick to follow another gospel. You know, we mentioned that the gospel of Jesus Christ is very, very simple. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply that Christ died, was buried and was raised again. And that is the foundation where we place our hope and trust, because it tells us that we cannot save ourselves, We can't fix ourselves, But there is a God who has come into the world in the flesh of man in Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And as we place our hope in that, you know, that's where the grace of God begins to step in and give us life. Well, Paul is, is saying to this church of Galatians is that you are no longer believing in that gospel. And I am astonished because I, I, I have labored to teach you that there is nothing more important in this gospel of jesus christ and, and so what were they believing in what was this gospel and it might find it, you might find it odd that it wasn't like they were believing in a in allah or buddha or some other religion that was different from them instead it was just simply adding onto the things that god was actually already sharing with them through paul through christ jesus and some of the things that they were adding on were things like circumcision. And they were adding on things like dietary restriction. They were adding on these type of laws saying that you must also do these things in order to be a Christian, in order to be a follower of God. And why I'm sharing with that us, to us is because of the fact that in our, in our Christian religion, I'll say it like that just to start, in our Christian religion, you know, we can often lose sight of the love that God is actually sharing with us and the hope we are supposed to live our life based on it. And we can begin to do other things that actually are substitutionary methods of actually living through God's grace. And some of those things could be simply good things such as circumcision or, or cause I, you know, that is a health conscious thing that people even do now today, or even good things such as, you know, trying to find the right diet. You know, but those aren't things that actually base your religion on. Those aren't the things that you actually do that actually substitute Christ Jesus for your life. And, you know, some of the things that I think that we do today is simply being people who uh, check off boxes in our religion. You know, maybe it's it's coming to a worship gathering or a service. You know, maybe it's figuring out well I need to at least read one scripture today or I need to make sure that I don't say anything bad or do anything bad. And so I have a a checklist of rights and wrongs that I wanna make sure that I am crossing off on a day-to-day basis. And what that does is actually, when we focus on the laws of, of reality and the laws that we think that we need to be upholding, we can sometimes lose the passion that Jesus Christ actually has for us. And we can lose the personal relationship that Jesus Christ wants us to have, because that, that personal relationship is the love language that God actually wants us to build our life and have a foundation that's on. You know, that, that, that foundation of love is supposed to change our hearts where we begin to engage with people and engage with God on a, such a higher level. And, you know, I, I, I've been loving this conversation of love because I, I hope that it's helping you to be changed as a person because it's helping me to change. It's, it's helping me to, to figure out ways where sometimes I am missing it in life and I am simply um, focusing on what's right and what's wrong in my own perspective. But, but I'm not really personally exhibiting all the love that God actually wants to, to me exhibit to him or also to the people that are around me. And so when we're having these conversations of love, I, I'm trying to help us and help me and, and, and help the world to actually understand how God is really calling us to live at, as people. You know, the thing that, that, that Paul wanted us to do, and I'll quickly turn here, as you find in your scriptures, turn with me to Galatians chapter um, 5. I think Galatians chapter 5 really quickly, because I want to share with us an important part of these scriptures, that I think will, will give us a little bit of freedom, you know, in writing through this. And I'm going to read several scriptures, so bear with me. Um, you know, we have some time to just build our faith today and think that it will actually do us good. For verse 5 begins in, in chapter 5 in Galatians, begins with verse 1 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. That's a beautiful statement. That Christ has actually set us free from things that actually hold us, Hostage in life Stand firm therefore and do not Submit again to a yoke Of slavery or bondage Look I Paul say to you that If you accept circumcision Christ will be of no advantage to you I testify again to every man Who accepts circumcision that He is obligated to keep the Whole law you are severed from Christ you who would be justified By the law you have Fallen away for grace For For Through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. But only faith working through love. You are running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But I, brothers, still preach circumcision. Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would be emasculated themselves. For you are called to freedom. Brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so Paul has has explained some of the things that I've already explained, is which is that you know there are times where we can actually lose the freedom that Christ actually has given to us. You know, He has not called us to be a people who are trying to live life based on uh the rights and wrongs that we think are appropriate in life, but he has tried to free us from a rea- from that reality into a beautiful place where we just love people and love the world so freely and so good. You know, what, what, what could that possibly look like in our life? know, You know, um, you know I thought about, you know, what's going on in our world today and I wanted to share with us something that I found so fascinating. If you're like me, maybe you have seen um, the Asian population, particularly from China, uh, wear masks uh, for several, several years. And in America today, we're we're now catching up to uh, this mask reality. But I've actually seen the Asian population, particularly from China, wear masks for several years. And I've always been uh, curious behind what was the reason for it. And you know, sometimes I thought that uh, people who wore masks from Asia were wearing them to protect themselves, or they thought that the germs of America or the germs that were around them would actually begin to impact them. But it's been so interesting as, as we've engaged in this mass conversation in America that that most of you have maybe learned, as I have learned, that the reason why people in Asia wear masks Is because of the fact that if they feel that they are getting sick or they have some kind of bacteria or or flu or issue uh, within themselves, that they will actually put on a mask for the benefit of not themselves, but also for the benefit of others. And it just shows a whole different perspective that I didn't understand. And it also even just shows the, the the selfish motive of my own perspective was to think that the reason why they had a mask on was to protect themselves. And the, the fact that their perspective was so different that the reason that they wore the mask was to make sure that they were actually protecting other people. And it shows the the the, the lack of maybe outward concern or the lack of a genuine goodwill that maybe we have, you know, in our own country, because we don't always, you know, as people think about how our issues will actually um, affect another individual. But when you see a whole culture, you know, really is dictated around that reality, around that sense, it's really eye-opening, at least it is for me. And I think that's what, what, what God actually says to us when he is trying to implore upon us that he's calling us to a higher level of action in this world he's calling us to be salt and light in a way where we express to the world the same kind of love that god expressed to us you know you've heard the scripture probably in first john chapter 4 verse 19 that says that we love because god first loved us and that is what, what god is trying to get us to do is to be a people who learn how to express love in a consistent way and i think one of the reasons why we don't uh, express love in a consistent way is because you know, frankly, in America, we have a gospel that is about our own selves. It is about our own lives. We, we figure out, well, I'm going to be in relationship with God because I can get something out of it or I can benefit from it in some kind of way without always realizing that God is, of course, going to bless us. And I'm probably one of the first people who said that I enjoy and I love all the blessings of God but there's also a reality in God where he tells us that life is not just about receiving a blessing, but life is sometimes about being the blessing and about transforming the world based on who I am, who I've called you to be. And we've even had a conversation of of understanding the word antibodies. You know, We understand that COVID-19 is in the midst of us today and we need an antibody to actually save this world from this virus. And when an antibody is created, it's a small injection into the body so that we can actually learn how to fight the diseases and the sicknesses that are actually within us. And so God, in the same kind of way, I believe, is calling us to be an antibody in this world where he uses Jesus Christ and he injects Jesus Christ into us and the love that God has actually shared with us so that we not only benefit us and become healed and delivered, uh, from the brokenness and the issues of life that are constraining us, but also so that we can actually be built up in love so that we actually begin to heal the world who is actually ravishing away uh, on a day-by-day basis. And that, that is a huge calling, but it's also a beautiful calling. It's a reality of who we are, but it I, I'll be the first to tell you that it, it's a huge change in life. It's a huge change in lifestyle. You know, it's a huge change in the way that the, the world has actually taught us to live because the world has taught us to focus on life on our own terms and on our own realities. But God is saying, I want you to be greater than that. I want you to be more like who I am in the way that I've ex- expressed to you in the world in my, my love language, you know, my universal language that you can actually see very, very clearly. You know, The fact that Jesus Christ would come and actually say, let me show you that what it actually looks like to love an individual. Let me show you by being beaten. Let me show you by actually stretching my hands out on the cross and being nailed as an individual who is innocent so that you can actually see how great my love is. And I hope that we can actually get to a place where we actually eventually learn how to love. And um, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter nine, verse 36, because here's one of the reasons why I think that we don't love. And, uh, and, and one of the things that's so unique about Jesus Christ, because he does love. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it's, it's a reality where Jesus Christ begins to look upon the world and he looks upon its situations of life and he becomes concerned. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, you know, Jesus Christ is recorded as saying that he went through all the silly cities and villages teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction. Well, look at this in verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they harassed and helpless. You know, when's the last time that you actually looked out into a crowd or looked into a, a person or an individual and you had compassion for them and you saw that they were either harassed or helpless? And you didn't just you know, keep moving, but you actually figured in your heart that you needed to do something to actually help that person. Well, that's where God is actually different from us because that's what he did. And that's why he came into the world, because he saw us as a people who were harassed and helpless, you know, and he had compassion for us. And he said that I need to do something for this world. That's why John 3:16 is so important because He is expressing that compassion to us. Well, when you read John 3, when you read Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, through a new lens and the lens of of Jesus Christ actually speaking to us, he says to us in verse 37 and the disciples, if you're disciples, then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. So he's asking us to have the same kind of compassion for the world that he actually has compassion for too. And, um, you know, I I want us to figure out what that looks like. And, you know, I think the first thing that we must do is to hear those words and actually take them seriously. And, uh, and if you don't hear them once and you take them seriously, I think that it's important to read them over and over again until they actually begin to sink into our heart, you know, because that's actually, where the the rubber meets the road. That's where this love walk begins to actually take shape, where we actually truly believe without a shadow that God doubt that the thing that should be the basis of my life is this love with God. And um, what I I love about the love of God is that it's just so personal. You know, you can't fake the funk with love. You know, um, I love the fact that I have a wife who probably is, and I wouldn't say probably is, is guaranteed much better at love than I am. And, and, and the way that she's much better at it is, is she's always personal with it. You know, I often think that, think that, you know, something that I did years ago is still transferable to my love even today. Um, but my wife is, is a person who helps me to see that, you know, oftentimes you need to express your love consistently over and over again in different ways so that people understand that your love is real. And, um, you know, I love a book leaving like the five love language makes that really, really clear and explicit where that even if you love somebody, show them by the way that you act, you know, show them by the way that you can serve, show them by the way that you can actually spend quality time with individuals, show them by the fact that you can actually physically touch somebody or, or the way that you can actually affirm them with words. Those are all personal realities that doesn't just stay up on the high mountain of your head, but they actually begin to come down incarnationally into the lives of other people. And so God's calling us to learn how to be that kind of personal individual who takes the love that they may have, but he actually tries to tell us now make it personal. If you see a people or a group um, who is struggling, don't just say that you empathize with that situation but actually figure out what's a way that you can actually be personal in that situation so that you can actually express love. You know, even in your home, you know, like we are discovering as we are talking more about love, you know, what are the things that that we can do to one another that is more supportive and that is more demonstrative of the love, not just saying that I love in the way I think I love, but in a way that another person can actually feel and appreciate that love on their own terms. And so those are things that, that I hope mean something to us today in a way where, 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 where God himself is not just in a book, where God himself is not just a thought, where God himself is not just someone who is high above in the clouds and skies, but we can actually see how God is personal through Christ Jesus, and he's calling us to also be personal as well. You know, what I, what I love about one last scripture in, in Matthew chapter 22 through verse 40 is the fact that Jesus Christ says that all of God's laws, all of God's prophecies, all of God's doctrine and, and theology actually hang on the fact that we learn how to actually transfer God's love and make, make it personal to God and also to the people around us. You know, that, that's how we truly know that we've arrived in the game of Christianity is, is when we take the things that we know that are in our head and the things that we know that are true. and the words, things that it, we even believe, but we actually begin to demonstrate that to God and to the world. And I hope that we understand Jesus Christ a little bit more fuller today because that's what he did. You know, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, that gave is, is physically not just staying up on his throne, but actually demonstrating through flesh and blood what it actually means to love an individual. You know, it's God's universal language and I hope it becomes a universal language for us so that the world can no longer just be broken and beaten and harassed as we see in the scriptures but also as we see in the daily, everyday aspect of life. Let us be new people who actually learn how to to love one another with the love that God has actually given to us. I pray these things in Jesus' name.